Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Good morning. It is great to, great to be here with you again. And we are continuing our series called Loving, Learning, Leading today, talking about loving, as Bill said. And last week, uh, we talked uh, about um, how loving, learning, and leading is our mission statement as a church. And these uh, three words are kind of shorthand. They're taken directly from the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Uh, many of you may be familiar. The Great Commandment says, uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so that commandment, that's what, uh, that's what uh, Jesus spoke to his uh, disciples and to these people that were questioning him. What is the most important uh, commandment? And that was his answer. And that's where we're going to be camping today. But just uh, so in case this is the only time you come, uh, loving and learning, uh, that, that is from the Great Commission. And Jesus also spoke uh, to his disciples and he said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And so we are commanded to go and to, to make disciples, right? To, to teach people all that Christ taught and lead people into deeper and deeper relationship with Jesus. And so we're going to be diving more deeply into those two in, in the upcoming weeks. And last week, just as a reminder, we talked about being a church that makes a difference, right? And a church that makes a difference is a church that reveals Christ and glorifies God. We are a church, we are a body of people, we are individuals even, that bring light into a world that is darkened by sin and corruption and death, right? And we also talked that in order for us to fulfill that call to be a church that makes a difference, to be a church that's loving, learning, and leading, a church that is being lights in a dark world, we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to fulfill this. Right? We don't have to do it under our own strength and, and try to complete what, what Christ has started when he came to the earth 2,000 years ago. We are, in, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are filled with this same power that raised Jesus from the dead in order to fulfill this call that God has given to us as Christ followers. And so that is kind of the background. And so today we're going to look at the first part of this mission statement, loving. Right? And when you see that word loving, you know, think that we are called to love God and love others is what uh, Jesus revealed was the greatest, the first commandment. And so when I dive into something like this, when you know, I think, you know, this is our mission statement, we, we want to be a church that's loving, where I always start is I ask this question, well, why? You know, why do we want to be a church that's loving? Why can't we just be a church that exists, right? Why is it so important that Jesus said, this is the most important thing, this is the first thing that you should continually do, to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and to love others as yourself. And the reason, the answer to that question, why we want to love God and love others, is because Jesus loved God and loved others. Right? And as a church, we are called to follow in Christ's footsteps. 
right? We are Christ followers, all right? And so we want to do whatever it is that Jesus did because we are called to complete what Christ, or at least to continue what Christ began when he came as a man, uh, inaugurated the kingdom of God, and sent us out to be a church that's making a difference. And so we want to uh, love God and love others because we see Jesus doing it throughout his life. Right? He was sitting in heaven, part of the, the triune God, and he humbled himself to come to earth, to be made a man, to be born in a manger, right? so that he could be crucified to bear the, the penalty of our sin. Right? We see that he loved us so much that he was willing to do that. And we see throughout his life that he would only do what he saw the Father doing. Right? He loved God passionately. And so that is why we want to do it. And it is through conforming ourselves to Jesus, right, being transformed into his image, that we are able to continue what he began. We are able to continue bringing light and continue bringing the kingdom into this world that is lost in darkness. And so I want to spend a little bit of time this morning talking about how you and I as Christ followers were called to be image bearers of God. All right, we were created to be image bearers, to bear the image of God. In Genesis chapter 1, 27, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And there is a lot to this, this idea of being made in the image of God. Right? And I think that we don't fully understand or we won't ever fully grasp what it means to be made in the image of God until, uh, you know, we, uh, until Jesus comes back. Right? But I think that we can kind of infer some things. The Bible pretty clearly teaches some things. You know, that, and I think that one of the, the ideas here in bearing the image of God is that God was creative. We see God speaking the world into existence. We see him molding man out, out of the dust. Right? And so in, as we follow in Christ's image and God's image, we are creative. Right? We make art and poetry and music and buildings and bridges and all sorts of things. We are creative. Right? And we also, I think that uh, God was a, a ruler. Right? God spoke everything into existence. He is the supreme sovereign king of kings. And he rules and reigns over all of the cosmos, all of the creation. And yet when he creates man, he says that now you are going to be my co-regents, right? You are going to rule on the earth in my stead. And so I'm sending you out to, to rule and subdue the earth, right? And so part of bearing God's image is having this authority to lead and to be witnesses of God, to be co-rulers with God. But I think very significantly, and where we're going to camp for a while today, is that a significant part of bearing the image of God is that we carry the same, or we're supposed to carry, the same self-giving love that we see in God, right? We see it in the, tri the, in the Trinity, the triune God. We see that Jesus, the, the Son, is subordinate to the Father, chooses to, to, you know, subordinate himself to the Father, and the Holy Spirit does what Jesus tells him to do, and, and it's just this, this love, this trinity of love, all right? And so when we 
are uh, called into Christ's image, we also are called to subordinate ourselves to God and subordinate ourselves to one another, giving our lives to love each other. Right? Subordination, that's not a very popular word, but it's so good. Right? We, wanna, we want to serve people through loving them. And, we, and sometimes that means laying down our life, just like we see Jesus doing, laying down his life to reveal that great, great love. And so in creation, Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus, God uh, forms, forms man and creates them in, in his own image, right? But what happens pretty quickly, at least in, in the biblical narrative, right, is that the, the serpent enters in and there is this fall, right? And the image of God is corrupted or significantly damaged. Some might say that the image of God was destroyed uh, in humanity after the fall. Um, but regardless of if it was destroyed or fractured or broken, uh, we know that it was significantly corrupted. Right? And that the uh, fallen man was no longer able to bear the image of God, right? and so no longer able to successfully uh, bear this image of God. They were no longer able to be lights and to reveal God in this world that they're called to subdue and to rule over. And that is the situation we find ourselves in before we come to Jesus. We are fallen. We are broken in our sin. We are not able to bear the image of God to this world, right? We are part of that darkness, right? We are part of the problem. But praise God, as we come into relationship with Jesus, as we choose to be Christ followers, we are reborn, all right? We are made new, and we are once again able to be the image bearers of God. Man, that is amazing. We are put back together in what uh, was corrupted and destroyed and broken by sin, right? Lost in darkness, Paul says uh, that you were once dead in your trespasses and your sins, right? But God, in his love, sent Jesus so that he could pick us up and he could place us in the kingdom of God's love, that we could come into relationship with Jesus, that we could sit at the right hand of God the Father in Christ, and we are made new. We are reborn, right? And Paul uses the analogy of new clothing, right? He, he says that we put on new clothing. And in Colossians 3, 9 through 10, he says this. He says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Right? And Paul here is, is, this is kind of at the end of this, what we call like this vice list. He's saying, you know, don't, uh, you know, say no to sexual immorality, you know, say no to idolatry, say no to pride, say no to all this stuff. Don't lie to each other because you aren't living in that kingdom anymore. Right? You've taken off that old self, that old nature, and you have put on the new self. Right? And so now we're supposed to put on this new thing and we're supposed to live in, uh, like Jesus lived. We're supposed to put on the image of Jesus. And so I have an, an illustration that uh, I, I think is gonna, hopefully is going to help us to kind of get our, get our minds wrapped around this idea of putting on these clothing and um, being renewed in the, nib, in the image of our creator, of Father God. These, 
These are dark elves. <laughs> so just bear with me. There it is. One hand. Yeah. Nobody's walked out. Good. Okay, so a, a few years ago, my friend Drew and I went to Gen Con. And Gen Con is the world's largest gaming convention held every year in August um, in Indianapolis. And it's been a few years uh, since, since, I've, since I've gone, but hope maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year I go back. We'll see. And so one of the, uh, a thing that happens at Gen Con and like Comic Con and these other nerdy conventions, right, is that people uh, dress up like fictional characters, all right? We call it, we call it cosplay. Not, not me, I can't afford it. Um, but, and so there's a lot of people walking around in costume. And so Drew and I are in the, the dealer's hall, we're looking at games and hanging out, and there's these two people that are dressed like dark elves. And Drew says, I would like to get my picture taken with them. And I said, okay, great. And so uh, we asked them, they're, they're fine, do that. And so they kind of get, uh, they stand together and I get my camera out and I'm about to take the picture and this, this girl who's dressed up like a dark elf, she reaches out and she grabs Drew by the throat, like strangling him. And Drew's eyes, I go, he's like, what is happening here? And it was like, and I was like, oh, I'll take the picture. Like, that, was, that was awkward. And, and so we, we went, on our, went on our way, and we're like, well, that was really bizarre. Like, what's happening there? It's not, the, you know, it's not somebody's normal nature. Like, oh, can I get a picture? Sure, I'll let me strangle you. Right? But this girl was dressed up like a dark elf. And as, as, I mean, I probably don't need to tell you, but dark elves are a matriarchal society. Right? And, um, and so... Oh, I did? Okay, sorry. So, and, and so, and they, they don't really like men, right? And so, it, and they kind of subjugate the men, the men are often slaves. And so, in a sense, it was in character for her to strangle Drew. Does that make sense? All right, because when she, like as probably in her normal life, she doesn't strangle men, right? But in, in this context, she's dressed up like this, She's put on the dark elf costume, and she is embodying, she is acting out that which she is dressed up like. Yeah. Anybody with me? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Great illustration, Mark. Good job. <laughs> uh, let's get rid of that picture. Okay. Um, and so, just like these people under normal circumstances wouldn't strangle men, right? Dressed up, they've put on the clothing of, of the dark elves, they reach out and, and they, they strangle Drew. All right, that's kind of a negative example. Don't do that. But what we do as Christ followers is that we put on new clothes. We, in a sense, we put on the clothing of Jesus, right? And so as we walk through life and we are, we're wearing Jesus, we are going to act more and more like Jesus, right? We're supposed to follow Christ, take up our cross and follow him to live like Jesus lived, right? And we've all done this, maybe not to that extreme, right? Uh, you know, I remember as a kid, you know, just taking like a, like a bath towel, tying it around your neck, right? And you fly around like you're Superman, and you just kind of take on that persona, like I'm a hero, I can fly, and I'm doing all this way, you know, and I take on that image, right? And so when we put on Christ, we take on the image of God, Right? We bear God's image and we grow in that. 
Right? And so when we come into Christ, it's not that we are literally putting on different clothing, but it's the inside. Right? And when Paul talks about being renewed in the knowledge of the image of our creator, it's being renewed in our moral character. Right? It's being renewed and in, in changed in our, in our attitudes, in our ethics. Right? And we are living out this thing that God, uh, that we see in the life of, of Jesus. Right? And so we put on God. And so what we're talking about today is we are putting on, once again, this attribute of love. We're putting on the attribute of love because we watch Jesus love God before anything and love uh, you know, other people you know, with a, abandon, willing to give up anything for him. And so when we put on the clothing of Christ, we are going to do that same thing. We are going to put on love. And we see that this idea of love, right, is significant. John, First uh, John chapter 4, verse 8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Right? If we are stepping into Christ, if we put on this new nature, and yet we are, are not living lives of loving God and loving others, then we need, to, we need to kind of question what we have stepped into, and if we have embraced it fully. Right? Because this idea of, of God being love, we see it throughout the Bible. Right? We see it in, in the creation story. He creates this big, bountiful, beautiful garden. He, make, you know, he makes a, a helper suitable. You know, he wants everything to be perfect. He loves you know, his people. He loves his creation. Right? And then later on, the, the Israelites are in Egypt. Right? They're slaves, and they, they're crying out under these, their taskmasters, and God hears them. And he loves them, and so he sends Moses, right, to, to, uh, to help them, to deliver them from, from Egypt. God loves his people, right? And we see uh, that, you know, that love continue. He sees that his people who have um, left Egypt, they, they need a place to live, and so he finds them a land who he promised to their ancestors, a, a land flowing with, with milk and honey, and he, he leads them to this, this beautiful land that he's got for them because he loves his people. And we see as they're wandering through the desert, these Israelites, and they're hard-hearted, and they turn their back, and they rebel, and they complain, and yet God in his love takes care of them and, and, and is gentle with them, and he gives them food and gives them water. He sends them manna, and he loves them, trying to draw them into right relationship with him. And we see it on and on. You know, a couple years ago, um, I read through the, the Bible uh, chronologically, and I just started doing it uh, again a few months ago. And what I noticed as, as I read chronologically through the Old Testament, that, you know, there's times where we kind of think that God is angry, and that, that in the Old Testament, God is mad, and he's constantly smiting his people, right? But when you look at the big picture, there's hundreds of years of God just saying, I love you. Would you come into right relationship with me? Will you come and live as I've called you to live so that I can bless you, that you can, that you can enjoy, you know, my, my love? 
And we see that God, in, in his love, even allows the, the, the Israelites to be overrun and uh, attacked by, by enemies. Right? We see this throughout the period of the judges, that the, the Israelites will turn their back and reject God, and they'll start serving other gods, and God removes his protection and, and allows you know, these other people to come and, and dominate them and, and take them away. And yet, when they call out to God, when they go, God, what's going on? This is horrible. We need you. He, over and over again, for hundreds and hundreds of years, raises up a deliverer to, to, to overthrow their enemies and bring them back into the place where they're supposed to be so that they can enjoy the Father's love. And we see it over and over and over again. And ultimately, we see that, that God, from the very moment of the fall, goes into action, preparing and, and bringing a, a savior to save humanity from the sin and the darkness, the corruption that has come into creation. We see him raise up a, a savior. We see him send Jesus Christ at the, the perfect time, right, to redeem his people from sin, to call them back because he loves us. Not because we deserve to be saved, not because he has to save us. He loves us. And so he sends Jesus. Right? A very familiar verse to many of us is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Right? God loves, and so he sent Jesus. And because God is love, when we enter into his kingdom, when we put on Jesus, we are putting on love. We put on love. And as we stay in this place, as we stay in Christ, as we behold God through worship or prayer or just, you know, uh, living for him, running after him with all that we are, the, the Bible actually says that the Holy Spirit transforms us more and more into the image of God. So we step into that, we choose, and we do the best we can. But as we walk it out, as we try to walk out love the best we can, we are transformed into the image of our creator. We are transformed into the image of love. And so because of this, right, we act the way that Christ acted. We live the way that he modeled and instructed. And so Jesus very, very clearly and very, very plainly tells us um, how it is that we are supposed to live as God intended. All right, in the Old Testament, there is a, a lot of, here's, here's how you live well in relationship with God. You know, and some people say, I think I read that there's like 613 laws and regulations that the, the Jewish people had to uh, hold on to and, and abide in so that they could live in right relationship with God. And so at the time of Jesus, it would have been a very common practice among the, the, the religious leaders to ask this question, you know, what's the most important commandment? What is, how do we sum up all of the Torah, all of the law? And so we see in Matthew 22, a lawyer says, come and ask Jesus this question. He says, you know, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says very clearly, right, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And they couldn't respond to that. He had answered correctly. 
right? He had answered perfectly. He had taken these two disparate commands in the Old Testament, one in Deuteronomy and one in, I think, Numbers. I should have written that down. And he brings them together. He says, if you want to encapsulate the whole law, love God and love others. Right? We see that through the Ten Commandments. You know, half of them are about loving and pursuing God, and the other half are about loving and pursuing and living in right relationship with other people. Right? And so Jesus says, if you want to fulfill the law, and you don't want to try to memorize all 613 of these commands, if you live a life that loves God and loves others, you have done it. You've done it. Right? And so, because we are able, as Christ followers, we put on Christ, we are remade in the image of God, we step into Christ, we are able to live in this kingdom life. All right? I think I'm behind in my slides. Yep, definitely. Yep, okay, here we go. We're up. Um, and so, we are enabled to live this kingdom life because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And this is a uh, commentarian uh, talking about Matthew 22, the, the great commandment. And he says this, he says, kingdom life, we're able to, we're in kingdom life because we're in Christ, okay? Kingdom life enables his disciples to live the way God intends us to live, which means living responsibly in relationship to God and to others. As such, the entire Old Testament hangs on love for God and others and truly brings fulfillment, the law and the prophets. Right? It's in Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we are enabled to live the way that God intends us to live. Living responsibly in relation to God and others. Loving God with all of our heart, soul, and soul, mind, strength, body, all the things, all of us, all of us, we love God with all of us, and we love others as ourselves, right? And we fulfill the law. That's how, in what we learned over, I think it was a couple weeks ago, we learned that it's through laying our life down. It's through picking up our cross and serving humbly other people that that is where we find life, right? And so as we come into Christ's kingdom, as we are enabled to love God and love others, often that might mean that we are laying down our rights. We are laying down our ideas in trusting God and loving people. And it's in that place that we find the fullness of life, right? So often we want to grasp for power and grasp for our own rights and grasp for meeting our own needs, but really we see throughout the Bible that it's, it's, it's laying down your life, it's following Jesus, it's living a life that loves God and loves others before all things. That is where we find abundant life. Right? And that is, is where we are called to be, and that is how we are able to fulfill the, the commands, the instructions uh, of God in our lives. And so, if we want to be a church that is making a difference, we need to be a church that loves God and loves others. Right? And we see uh, in, in Matthew 22 that Jesus brings these two commands from the Old Testament together, showing that you cannot do one without the other. These two commands are inextricably linked. And uh, the Apostle John says this very clearly in uh, 4, 1 John 4.19. He says, we love because he first loved us. 
Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. I just feel like that kind of just speaks for itself, doesn't it? You don't need a lot of commentary there. He has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. Then Eugene Peterson, in his uh, translation uh, of the Bible, his paraphrase, he says it this way, We, though, are going to love, love and be loved. First we were loved, now we love. He loved us first. If anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. So powerful. And it's so easy for us to forget that, right? It's so easy. Like, worship was amazing this morning. Man, I, I could have spent the whole service just, just in that place. And I was just, I was, you know, I was just drawn into God. I just could sense his love, just like Chrissy was saying. I could sense it. I'm going to stay around for a second service, I guess, and uh, I'll dive into that again, right? But, like, that cannot be the, the, all of our Christian life, right? We can't come here and have a great time with Jesus during worship, right, and fellowship with our brothers and then go out into the world like nothing has happened, right? We need to love our community of believers and we need to love our world around us or else we are missing it. So how do we do it? How do we love? And, you know, we love God by spending time with him and prayer and worship, Bible reading, you know, running after him with our lives. You know, we we, we love God by doing what he tells us to do. Oh, go figure. Submitting to Jesus' lordship, right? We, we love God by obeying his instructions that we find in the Bible, right? We, we, we love God by pursuing righteousness and submitting our thoughts and our attitudes to his lordship and to his leadership. But we cannot get around this idea that in order to love God, we need to love others. Other people that we don't like, even. Whoa. Other people that aren't Christians. Other people that don't like us. We need to love. And the great Pastor Cameron said, I believe the only reliable measure of how much we love God is how we love others. Wow. Wow. And so the question is, you know, can you see that in your own life? Can you see how you are loving God through loving others? You know, and this church is phenomenal. You know, I see the, the love of God in your guys' life all the time. You know, from working here, I just see, uh, you know, people laying down their rights and their, what they want to do for the good of the church, for the good of other people in the church, for the good of the community. 
right? This, we're great at this. And so in a sense, right, we're kind of preaching to the choir. But we can all grow in this, right? We are all being transformed more and more and more into the image of God. And so how can we live a, a life that is more and more loving? How can we live a life that is more and more demonstrating and continuing that which Christ began 2,000 years ago? How can we love and thereby be a church that is making a difference, bearing witness and bringing light into the darkness? And that's what we're called to do, being lights in the darkness through loving God with all that we are and loving others as we love ourselves. And so this is just how I want to live my life. You know, I want to follow Jesus, laying down my rights and learning to love like he did. And so this week, I'm just going to, to, and I invite you all, just to look for opportunities. You know, where can I love? You know, there's needs that are large and small all around us every single day. And just ask God to show you and guide you to a place where you can reveal his love for others. And where you can reveal your love for God by loving others. And if we do that, individually, we are going to be lights in the world. And as we do that as a congregation, as a community of believers, that light is going to shine so much more brightly as we carry the light of Jesus, the gospel message that Jesus has come to bring salvation to every human being. We're able to carry that message into a world that is rejecting it and living in lost in darkness. Amen? Amen. So will you stand with me as we close in prayer this morning? Father God, we love you. Father God, we want to be individuals that make a difference, and we want to be a church that is making a difference. Lord, so help us to put on Christ, to clothe ourselves with that love that you revealed through Jesus Christ. God, help us to love you by loving others this week, Father God. Give us opportunities, big and small, to step into love, to step into laying down our own rights and our own power and our own uh, desires, Father, to love you and love others and to bring your light into a world of darkness. We love you. And in your name we pray. Amen.